Our first reading this evening for the fourth Sunday in Advent is from 2 Samuel chapter 7, one of the most important prophecies of the Messiah. Now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart. The Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. Would you build me a house to dwell in? I've not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel... Did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Lord Jesus, bless this message tonight. Help me to speak properly and faithfully of your mother and of the miracle of your pregnancy and birth in your name. Amen. I was in a seminary class many years ago. The professor in this class asked each of the students to begin each day with a prayer. We all took turns going, you know, down the row and you never know what's going to come out of a seminarian's mouth. Uh, one day was kind of interesting. A gentleman was in our class and he began his prayer, Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. That's the well-known prayer that's probably second only to the Lord's prayer as far as prayers spoken in the church on earth. It is uh, the Hail Mary. And uh, the professor was very, uh, had a very interesting response to it. He, he lifted up his eyes and he said, uh, I agree completely with the first part of your prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus, all of that comes right from the Bible. But I don't agree with the rest of the prayer. Nevertheless, he went on, though, to talk about how important Mary is. As uh, the Bible clearly tells us, Hail Mary, full of grace. We're on the brink of Christmas, as I mentioned in the introduction, and you can't celebrate a birth without also celebrating a pregnancy, and so it's my honor tonight to speak about Mary especially, and about this miracle pregnancy that she had. There are three things out of this gospel lesson I hope you will remember tonight. The first is, is that Mary is the Virgin Mary. The second is that she is highly favored by God. And the third thing is the best thing about Mary, which I am going to save for the last part of the message. So first of all, Mary was a virgin. A lot of people don't like the Bible teaching of God as a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one. Their most common complaint is, this just doesn't make any sense. But let me tell you something. There's something that doesn't make any sense either. In fact, it makes worse sense. And that's the idea that many people have, that God is some sort of impersonal being. Now think about that. If God is not more than one person, then if the only thing he has to love are the things that he himself creates, then God's like a little girl sitting in a room just playing with her dolls. But God is a God of love, a God who is a person. And when the Bible says that God is love, and that goes all the way back through eternity, we can see how that love would be personally shared between the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks of God in the plural. One of the important names of God is Elohim, and in Hebrew, that's a plural noun. In the creation account of Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image. And in Numbers chapter 6, when the Lord instructs Moses to tell Aaron to pronounce this blessing upon Israel, he says the words that we're very familiar with. We always end our services with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Three times mentioning the Lord and twice emphasizing face. Countenance means the same thing as face. Impressing upon us that God is a personal God. And this is why the virgin birth of Mary of Jesus to the Virgin Mary is so very, very important. How would God send His beloved Son? The Son He has loved from eternity. How would He send this beloved Son into this world? Would He make Him out of the dust of the ground like He made Adam, the first man? No, because according to the prophecies, He this Messiah, this Son of God in the flesh, would be a descendant of Eve. He is not just another Adam, but he is an Adam that comes from God's own children, which he created, even though they fell into sin. The important thing we should take away from this is that salvation is really coming to us, not just to the earth coming into the hearts of dirty, rotten sinners like you and me. Many years ago, I had a very bad infection in my knee. It was so bad, my dad made me go to the emergency room, and when I got there, they kept me in the hospital for three days. The first doctor who came to look at my knee took one look at it swollen up like a cantaloupe, and uh, he stood at least four feet away, uh, talked to me about my problem, and immediately left. After uh, a few hours, my family doctor came, and uh, he was uh, much different in his approach. He came and began talking to me, asking me how college was going and all of that. And while he was talking, I wasn't really paying much attention, he took his big hands and he grabbed a hold of my knee and he just kept talking to me and then all of a sudden he squeezed it with all his might and it was ugly. <laughs> so ugly in fact that his nurse fainted and fell on the floor right on the spot. Jesus' incarnation, born of the Virgin Mary, is God's way of making the deepest entry into this sinful world to get rid of the infection of sin. He is a hands-on God all the way, a personal God, a God who not only created this world but comes personally into it in His eternal Son, Jesus. The fact that Mary is the Virgin Mary shows us that Jesus is not just another ordinary man conceived in an ordinary way, the world so often ignores this infection, this spiritual infection that I mentioned. 
But we can't ignore it. And we can't certainly ignore its consequences. If I had let that infection go, it eventually would have killed me. And that's the way all infections of sin work. They may seem small at first, but unless dealt with, unless cured, they bring forth death. The virgin birth of Christ assures us that God has indeed come into this world. And He's not standing four feet away from us. He is right there with us in our hearts through His means of grace, God's Word, and the sacraments to bring us to faith, to get rid of the sin and the sinful desires in our hearts and lives, and to give us a new life and a new way of living. So the virgin birth, very important. The second thing that I said we should take away from this gospel lesson is that she, Mary, found favor with God. This is mentioned in a number of places in the Bible about different people. And whenever it is mentioned, you should pay close attention. For example, the Bible says that Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man born of women. And I would say that you could say the same about Mary. She's probably the greatest woman ever born. What made her great, though? It was her response to the angel Gabriel's announcement of this birth. As confusing as it was, she simply accepted it and believed God's word. She said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. God didn't favor her because of her incredible beauty or wit or personality or her great intelligence or her wealth. He took favor upon her because she was not a rebel. She was not a slacker ignoring God. She was not a hypocrite using God. She was the servant. A servant is one who trusts. A servant is one who follows and obeys. And her great work, her good work, was that she became the doorway for God into this world for our salvation. It was a difficult thing, and very little is really written about it, Maybe when we get to heaven, we can learn more about what happened to Mary and what it was like to raise Jesus. We do get some things at the end of the Bible, though, that tell us about her heartache when Jesus died on the cross. In Revelation chapter 12, John describes Mary's birth as a woman giving birth and a dragon ready to destroy the child as soon as it's born. But God did not let that happen. And nevertheless, the devil rants and rages. He doesn't really care so much of those people who are already with him, who are already moving in the direction he wants them to move, that is hell. But he puts his efforts upon those who want to be the servants of the Lord, like Mary or anyone else. One of my favorite verses, not actually in the Bible, but in the apocryphal books from Sirach chapter 2 verse 1 is this, Son, if thou come to serve the Lord, prepare thyself for temptation. Evil works in these two ways. Temptations that entice and draw us away from the Lord and we all know how, much, uh, how many temptations there are like that in our lives and in our world, the internet and our busyness and our tendency to forget about God, all of those things are a distraction and a way that the devil uses to draw us from the Lord. But if that doesn't work, he has another hammer to beat us with. 
He tortures us. The Bible tells us that he hurts, actually hurts people, like he hurt Job in the Old Testament, or like he hurt the widow who had a bent back for many, many years. The Bible tells us that was exactly the work of the devil. And so if he cannot tempt us, he will torture us, trying to get us to doubt God, trying to get us to think that God isn't personally caring for us. But like Mary, we are to look to God's word. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to those who call upon him. Romans 8, uh, that, that, that God will never forsake us. And 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful and not allowing us to be tempted beyond what we are able to bear. She is the virgin. She is favored by God because she trusts in God. And last of all, the best thing about Mary and I saved this for last. I was watching a ra- listening to a radio show uh, some years ago, and there was a nun uh, who was being interviewed, and she was talking about Mary. Of course, there were a few things that she said I didn't agree with, like uh, you know, praying to Mary and things like that. We should the disciples in the Bible all prayed to Jesus. They never prayed to Mary, and so we should pray to Jesus as well. But I was so impressed with her. Uh, the interviewer finally asked her, all right, you've said a few things about Mary. What's the most important thing about Mary? The interviewer asked. And she said, the most important thing about Mary is that her son turned out so well. And that is a beautiful way to think about Mary and to think about Jesus. She, above all, wants to point us to her son for our salvation. His name is Jesus, she is told. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. And though life can tear us down in so many ways, whether it be the sins of others affecting us or our own sins affecting us, it is a deadly potion. But in Luke 19, Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Think about this. To cry out for salvation, there's only one person that you can cry that that prayer to, and that's Jesus. I can go to my family and to my friends and I can say, help me, but I can't say to them, save me, because they can't. Only Jesus can save. The Lord saves. That is his name. Gabriel also tells us about his kingdom. And he stresses that his reign upon the throne of David will last forever. We all see how kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. And we see all the turmoil of the world around us. Is Jesus' kingdom just another one of those? Not at all. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom that will last forever and will be the ultimate kingdom to live in. This is a kingdom, as Gabriel says, that has no end. It is a kingdom that is happening right now by you hearing these words and believing. But it is a kingdom that we will all see in all of its glory on Judgment Day. Christmas is about to begin, and we can rightfully begin by saying, Hail, Mary, full of grace. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. He is our Lord. He is the one who saves. Amen. Please rise.